I would say most citrus oils, they are generally quite safe to diffuse. Like lavender is safe for most people, except for people with low pressure. I wouldn't suggest that. Frankincense is also a very nice oil to diffuse and also maybe like bergamot. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Shifter Shiva. I'm your host, Shiva Vanetti, and we dig deep into conversations on what nourishes our mind, body, and soul on this podcast. And on today's episode, we will be talking about essential oils. Now, a little bit about me. I'm a certified consultant in sleep for adults and children. So I'm also a baby science program instructor, and I'm also an Akashic light healing practitioner. And when I became a new mother, it was one of the most common topics coming about was about using essential oils for my child's well-being, as well as my own well-being, whether it came from, you know, dealing with colic or gastric pains for my little one, or for, you know, generally my own sleep issues that I was having. This was way before I was a sleep consultant as well. So a lot of people were talking about using certain oils. Lavender is one of the, you know, most common ones that are passed around. But there were also things like bergamot, there was geranium, there was tea tree oil, obviously for skin, frankincense has been talked about for skin as well. So I was just really, really curious about the way you use these essential oils. And so after many discussions with different friends and people talking about it, and I tried some and I was like, wow, this is really interesting. And yeah, it kind of works. So it would be good to have a discussion on where are the limitations about it or where's the application process in terms of like, do you only use it in diffusing? Do you apply it topically on your skin? Can you apply it directly to wounds? Can you ingest it inside? And some of these things are going to be, today's episode I hope will give you some clarity on some of these conversations because I've heard it many ways. And I wanted to make sure that we have it absolutely really clear where the lines really stand when it comes to how we use essential oils, because they are oils at the end of the day, and they are very, very highly concentrated, very volatile objects. So they should be used with care and respect. So in today's episode, I wanted to bring on not one, but two different guests. And I wanted to bring on two guests that were both trainers in aromatherapy certified programs here in Singapore. The first is Adeline and Adeline is the head of the School of Aromatherapy for Nila Singapore. And I also have Matilda and Matilda is the head trainer for the certification of aromatherapy program in the International School of Applied Metaphysics Sciences here in Singapore. So both ladies joining me today on Shifter Shubra are both trainers in aromatherapy certification programs based here in Singapore. And who better to talk to about essential oils than the people who teach about it for certification programs. So I'm very, very excited that you're here for our first inaugural discussion episode where we have, you know, more than one guest. And we're going to be talking about you know, essential oils with the people who actually teach about them. So very, very excited that you're here today. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. So please, you know, like, subscribe, share this episode with people that you like. And thanks again, again, for tuning in. Welcome to Shifter Shubha. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. And I'm very, very excited for today's discussion on essential oils. It's a very hot topic, I think, amongst 
a lot of new moms out there and a lot of uh, you know uh, people at home these days who are looking into alternative therapies there's a lot of buzzwords with essential oils and before we just dive into the topic if I could just ask both of you ladies thank you first of all so much for joining us today and if you could just share a little bit about yourself so maybe we can start with Adeline just tell us you know who you are what you do and you know what's your niche of essential oils and how did you come about it? Sure. In the beginning, thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I look, I really look forward to this session. I mean, I've been looking forward to this session for a while. Okay, so my name is Adeline Lim. I am a certified clinical aromatherapist, and I have been in this line for seven years. Yeah. Okay. So I started using essential oil years and years ago. So I grew up in a kampong in Singapore. And naturally, you know, I, I love being in nature. And when I try to look for a natural remedy for my family, when I got married, I had three daughters. My very first encounter with essential oil was author of eucalyptus that I bought from Australia. And that started my aromatherapy journey until now. So I started massaging my children with massage oil that is diluted with essential oils. And in their growing years, I use essential oil for sinus issue, for eczema, for three daughters. So we have a lot of period pain, a lot of PMS. So so I've used it very, very successfully. And of course, for sleep issue as well, for mood uplifting. So to to just name a few. In fact, I mean, at the least I could go on and on and on, right? So mosquito repellent as well. So right now, after my youngest daughter started university, I sort of like, I need to do something for myself. So I started Nila Singapore. Yeah. So, and we have got three arms to it. We have a retail shop. We have a, a wellness, which we conduct aroma journey. We conduct yoga, conduct a lot of workshops there. And then of course, the latest arm that we have is the school that we teach aromatherapy certified course. Yeah, so anyone who passed through us will be a certified aromatherapist with a diploma in aromatherapy. Yep. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. And also, Matilda, welcome. Please tell us a little bit about you and about what your journey is with essential oils and what are you doing now currently? Thank you, Sherbra, for inviting me. So it's a pleasure to be on your show. And well, there are certain parts of my journey that's a bit similar to Adeline, but there's also a part of it which is pretty different. So while she grew up in a kampong, I'm pretty much a city girl. And prior to, you know, running aromatherapy courses before being in the aromatherapy wellness um, industry for also like more than seven years, probably closer to eight years now. So prior to that, I was actually a corporate banker and I started using essential oil like my first bottle of essential oil that I started using was also something that I came across when I was in Australia. And that was like probably like 20 years ago when I was still a teenager. So at that time, I actually walked into a pharmacy to buy pimple cream because I had, you know, acne outbreak when I was on a holiday there. And the pharmacies actually recommended me tea tree oil. I thought it worked pretty well. And so that was like my first experience with essential oil. But As a student, I had limited resources, but later on when I started working, I'm sensitive. My skin is pretty sensitive to like chemicals and all. So I prefer to use like more natural products. And so I purchase facial cleansers or bath gels that are based and I buy essential oils to add them in. But like my true calling for aromatherapy came because I was suffering from hormonal imbalance at some point in my life. And I was suffering from PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. I've been to all the top gynees in Singapore for like 
more than five years of my life. I've tried TCM, I've tried Ayurvedic, I've, I've tried almost everything, you know. And so until I was lucky enough to meet my mentor who taught me everything about metaphysics, holistic healing, and also aromatherapy. And, and at the time, I used rose essential oil for my problems and not just hormonal problems. At the time, I was in a bad shape. I was like just out of a very long relationship. So emotionally, I was also suffering. So rose really helped me a lot. And coupled with some lifestyle and dietary adjustments, I was surprised that, you know, the cyst in my ovaries actually disappeared within three months. Wow under the guidance of my mentor. So I was surprised because I was on medication for like more than five years, you know? And so at that time I was a corporate banker and I was actually at the crossroads of wondering, should I take on an MBA and, you know, pursue my career further, you know, and continue climbing the corporate ladder and running the rat race? Or should I follow my passion? and take on some aromatherapy courses. <laughs> and I and then I decided that, okay, if I take MBA, it probably cost me like 150000 to 200000 for a proper MBA, like an Ivy League MBA, versus if I take aromatherapy courses, probably going to cost me like 10% or, or less, or 5 to 10% of what it would cost me in an MBA. So I decided to follow my passion. And so I actually took like three different aromatherapy certifications. So I'm like a Naha certified clinical aromatherapist. I'm also a certified metaphysical therapist. And I am now master trainer of our school, ISAMS, that also is a proof educator for Naha courses. So we conduct aromatherapy courses that's Naha certified in both English and Chinese. Mm. And we practice like metaphysical different techniques and ideologies as well. So that's what I do. So it's quite a big change for me, actually, moving from the corporate space to the holistic journey. But I do not regret any bit of it and pleased to be of service to many women today. Mm, Yes, well done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think what I really liked about both your stories is that you came from something different. Obviously, it's not like aromatherapy was the first thing. It was sort of like you came upon it like by chance. And I think with most of us who may have also, you know, come across aromatherapies, it's sort of, I think for most people, they kind of know it as fragrance first. And then they start, oh, okay, there's actually these oils that can do much more than just smelling good. And they actually have a lot of healing properties. So thank you so much for sharing uh, your stories, ladies. One of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation as well is the very similar thing of where I met a you know, mom friend for the first time. She was into essential oils. And then she gave it to me because I was going through some sleep issues. Now, I'm a sleep consultant by training. So I was doing everything by the book in terms of what sleep consulting told me to do for an adult. And I was still suffering from a few more, you know, chronic sleep issues. And that was also due to like calcium deficiencies, magnesium deficiencies. In it. And then she gave me a particular essential oil that had valerian root in it as well as lavender, a mix. And of course, we know valerian root, I also know as, you know, in sleep consulting is basically a natural herb that's a sedative. And of course, lavender has relaxant properties in it. So it made a lot of sense. And I was very surprised that it helped very quickly, like within a couple of weeks that my sleep had improved very, very fast. And I think that's where I was just like, oh, there's something uh, to this. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm very curious now. But then I started to see that there was this vast ocean of recipes that 
I wasn't really sure whether these recipes were regulated or not regulated. Were they come up with, you know, actual aromatherapists or were they just passed on from person to person and hearsay and word of mouth? So that's kind of why being in the mom space and with children especially, I wanted to have this discussion because I think there could be some misunderstandings about how to use aromatherapy effectively, if that makes sense. And so I just wanted to really kick off today's discussion. And this is the first time I'm doing a discussion board, so bear with me because it's usually a one-on-one interview. So discussions are gonna be quite interesting. I think in general, if we could just talk about the history of essential oils, just very, very basically. Maybe Matilda, if you could take this. What is the history of essential oils? Where did it come from? When was it first used? And, you know, how did it become so popular? Or what popularized it, maybe? All right. So actually, the use of essential oils goes way back, you know. But at that time, it's probably not known as aromatherapy. And like essential oils, they go way back, like even in the biblical times. So you can find like many essential oil names that's being mentioned in the Bible. Like for example, frankincense, myrrh, many of them, you know, Fagnard, Galbanum, all these are all mentioned in, in, in the Bible before. So, but at a time, probably it might not be in the oil form. It could be like in the resin form or like in the form of the herb. So basically the essential oil is basically the, the essence that's being extracted from this plant. And you can find that the history of essential oil stretch way back to Egyptian times. And even in Asia, the Chinese and the Indians, they use it like even way back, you know, in during the imperial times and it's all very prized possession you know but yeah not necessarily known as aromatherapy so aromatherapy there's actually a revival of aromatherapy in modern times when a scientist actually got burnt and then he used lavender oil for his first or second degree burns and it works very well and so then from then on it's been coined as aromatherapy and that was like in the more recent 100 to 200 years back. Right. Okay. And Adam, is there anything you wanted to add to that? I, I just want to add on to what Matilda said about aromatherapy or about scent, right? The smell of scent has been used since the start of mankind. In ancient days, they used incense and incense is supposed to transport your wishes up to the sky because it flows up, right? And infused oil, infused oil has been used a lot. Myrrh and frankincense were given to Jesus when he was born by three wise men plus gold. Yeah. And so it has been used even in China like Matilda mentioned in China, they would use incense and they would use that little flower pouch where they were clipped together with on their waist, right? And that is where scent of smell, that's how it works. So to me, aromatherapy is actually, the aroma will come from the scent and the therapy is a form of a treatment. So how aromatherapy came about, modern aromatherapy came about, the term was coined in actually 1937 by this chemist, that is, uh, his name is Rene. Maurice Gastoff. So he's French and he burned himself, like what Mathilde said, he burned himself in the lab and he uses, I think recently I attended a conference where his great-granddaughter actually was giving uh, a rundown of his, yeah, there is a Gastoff Foundation and in fact this year they're actually running a competition where the prize money is actually 10,000 euro. Wow. So I really wanted to lead my student on this project but we realized that we have too little time so by the time I actually realized it was in September, 
and you know, as you know, I was out for yes. for a couple of weeks because of dengue. And yeah, so it is due actually next year in I think it's in January or in February. So so to do a clinical study, we don't have enough time. I'll talk more about clinical study later on when we talk about the shift that I want to yeah. see. So Maurice Gestoff what happened was that his hand became so a lot of stories on things that we see a lot of written stories on the internet is that he actually put his hand straight into a pail of lavender oil and that was how I started teaching my students until I heard from his great granddaughter that didn't use lavender immediately until his hand actually turned almost I think he was we went to a stage where he, he might be gangrenous. so what he did right. was then he started to use lavender essential oil and from there he discovered the wonders of lavender he, he didn't even leave a scar and that is where he started studying in fact the term aroma therapy was coined by him so that mm. was early 1990s 1900s right so I, I would like to mention one gentleman whom i actually have the honor of studying under him and attending his workshop and also have the honor of bringing him into singapore last year so his name is robert tisseron so he is actually he is very instrumental in bringing he's an aromatherapy pioneer and modern day expert he's known as a maybe aromatherapy godfather or something so he when you mention him and the reason why i like him is because he focused a lot on safety of using essential oil Mm. yeah he's the one that actually is very instrumental in bringing widespread professional and public recognition to aromatherapy in the 1970s in the uk so he was the one that translated the book that was written by rene maurice gastoff into english and mm. i still have a copy of that book and he also wrote a book on the art of aromatherapy in the 70s so he was very instrumental to bring the awareness of how aromatherapy worked in the uk very much because he's, he's british he's, okay one of his parents is i can't remember whether his father or his mother is french i think maybe it is his father right so that's how aromatherapy gained a lot of recognition so to me aromatherapy is a very few good therapy it is more than a smell i mean you mentioned this like is it just a good smell scent it is more than a smell so essential oils have in them a lot of different components every essential oil have some have 100 over 200 over different components one essential oil is a synergy by itself and it is all these beautiful components that play a very big part on our mind on our nervous system and i would say that our nose play a very important role in the process so when we smell nice smelling things right nice smelling aromas so we inhale nice aroma our heartbeat slow down and we are able to breathe slower and deeper you know mm. like Sometimes, you know, you will realize when I talk very fast, I try to get all my information out. So I forget to breathe. So I always, always like to have some nice smell with me and it will actually slow down my breathing and deepen my breathing. And when you're breathing and your breathing slow downs and deepen, your muscle relaxes, right? Mm. And your muscle relaxes, your feeling of stress will be reduced and your mood will be lifted. So it is more than just, it, to me, it's more than just a good smell. It has got all the therapeutic benefits that comes with it. But I always also like to be careful in presenting. And when I teach my courses, when I conduct my workshops, I'm always very careful to tell my students that we do not aim to heal any illnesses with aromatherapy. We are there to support. So I prefer to use the word complementary rather than alternative. Yeah. Mm, okay. All right. That's a good the thing to healing of the disease and whatever to the doctor, we can have a faster healing, right? Mm. And it is about the healing of not only the body, 
It's about the mind, the body, and the soul. It's very holistic, like what Matilda mentioned just now. It's a very holistic treatment. If you can tell us a little bit more about the components, and then Matilda, if you can talk about the different applications of essential oils. But just, you were talking about there's so many hundreds of components. What are these components that you're talking about? What are you referring to? Okay, so for example, if we talk about lavender, Lavender is what I say, the mother of all essential oil. The two very important components that we have in lavender, of course, is the linalit estate and the linalool. But it's not just these two by itself. It is a lot of the rest of the other essential oil that work together in a synergy. So if it is just linalit acetate and linalool, it's very easy to replicate in the lab, right? So that it was something like lavender. So the synthetic Lavender would smell something like lavender, but it doesn't have all this natural, all this the other component to work in the synergy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is also how when we study about the different component in the essential oil, like if we talk about, let's say if someone is allergic to lavender or someone just has got a very bad experience with lavender. And we talk about lavender, let's say we talk about its sleep's property, the, the property that it helps to aid sleep, right? And if the person has got a very bad memory of with lavender, she's not going to, the lavender is not going to help the person. Mm. Yeah. So then we look into other essential oils that have got the similar components, which when I teach my blending class, we do look into the individual component and we, we try to get it from other oils. So in this case, I would recommend a bergamot has got a huge amount of linoleic acetate as well, of course, with the most being clarisage and marjoram. So all this will help, right? But then, of course, when you use your clarisage, you do have to be careful. We do not recommend it for any pregnant lady. It can be used towards in the label and the delivery stage, but not in the beginning stage. So we do have to be careful on what oils we recommend for who. Right. Okay. That's a really good point, because I think that's my fundamental reason of wanting to have this podcast at some point is women, or not just women, but people need to know how and when to use certain things. So then Matilda, if you could tell us the different application uses that essential oils are usually used in, in terms of therapeutic senses. So in terms of application of essential oils, there are actually many, many different ways of using it, but primarily will be topical application, inhalation, of course, inhalation, because, you know, aromatherapy, you, you inhale it. And then there is also internal use, which is through injection. But for that, you have to be very careful. Mm. Yeah, so these are the three major uses. But of course, there are even like more advanced ways of using essential oils, like through vagina retention, through anal retention. But that's very advanced. And um, you need to have like proper guidance by a professional to use it. And also, you have to be very cautious about the quality of oil that you use with these methods and also the dosage and what's the appropriate oil because you, you can't just put like any oil into your vagina or your anus, mm. you know? And also for internet use also, you got to be very careful. So, but the more common ways will be, of course, through inhalation and through topical application. So even for inhalation, there are a few different ways of using for inhalation. So you can use a normal water-based diffuser will be more common. Water-based diffuser, like an ultrasonic one. You can also use a nebulizer. So nebulizer will be a lot more for professional clinical usage because for nebulizer, it's a lot more potent. Like maybe just inhalation in 15 minutes with a nebulizer 
is more powerful than diffusing for four hours on a water-based diffuser. Then, of course, our pumps are also like our natural diffuser. So you can also inhale through just putting the oil on your pump and deeply inhaling. And inhalation, you can also use steam inhalation. So you add a few drops of oil into hot water and you deeply inhale it. You put a towel over yourself. That's steam inhalation. So many different ways and like exactly how many drops and how long to diffuse and all really depends on are you like using it just to improve the environment, the ambience of the place or are you using it more for clinical purpose? You know, is there like a specific purpose that you're using it for? So that one, you probably need a little bit more knowledge, guidance, and experience in using that. Then of course, for inhalation, there's also like nasal inhalers. Okay. You can use nasal inhalers as well. Yeah, so many ways, you know, and then for topical application, you can use it neat on your skin, but not all oils, you can use uh, it neat. Yes, please yeah. tell also not which ones oils. you can't use neat. Correct. Yes. So not all oils and also not all skin types are suitable and not all age groups are suitable for neat application. So for example, just like based on common sense, you know, for certain oils that are hot, you shouldn't like apply it directly onto the skin. So some of the common Hot oils will be like cinnamon, lemongrass, oregano, thyme, because that are oils that may cause a skin sensitivity. And also like for people with sensitive skin, like if they already have like irritated skin or they already have rashes on the skin, then definitely they should not apply. It's strongly not recommended that you apply essential oils neat on the skin if you already have some prevailing skin condition. All right. And also for young children, it's also not recommended that you apply NEAT. For the elderly with very like thin skin and sensitive skin, it's also not recommended that you apply directly. So most of the time, we would recommend that you start off with dilution. Okay. Right, dilution. And how much to dilute? Again, it depends, you know, on the person's skin type and the tolerance of the oils and the age group and also what oils that you actually use, you know. Mm. If it's a hot oil, then of course we will dilute more. So it really depends. And also like where you're applying it on. So like if you're applying it on the bottoms of your feet, then probably you don't need so much dilution because the skin on the soles of the feet tend to be thicker. So that's actually the safest place to apply if you want to apply it topically. Right, okay. And then in terms of just, you're talking about inhalation through diffusers. It doesn't make a difference what type of diffuser this is. I mean, does it have to be like very proper one or like you can just get anything off of Taobao and it's okay? There is a difference in terms of the quality of the diffuser that you use. But of course, I mean, if it's ultrasonic and cold air, usually it's fine, but I can't speak for all types because the thing is this, if they are not of very good quality, one, the plastic might melt, you right. know, when you use very strong essential oils with it. Number two is that some of the disc inside, they may give way very soon. Like I've seen like some really cheap diffusers after one month of using it comes out, you know? So sometimes you might be penny wise pound foolish. Mm. If you know what I mean. Mm. And the last thing you should do is to burn your oils. Never burn the oils with like candles. You know, when I was young and yeah. I had no clue what real aromatherapy is about. 
you know, there was a time when people just sell all these burners with candles and then you put your oils on top and then you burn it. That's the last thing you should do because when you burn your oils, the properties of the oils actually change. Right. So let me just give you an example. Yeah. Like for example, if you eat too many raw bananas, what happens? You get the runs, right? Like you have bubble movement if you eat too much of raw bananas. But... On the other hand, if you eat too many goreng pisang, right? Because the bananas have been deep fried. And so if you eat too much goreng pisang, the opposite occurs. Like you get constipated instead, right? So when the oils are subjected to heat, when they are burnt, the properties, the constituents inside change. Mm. Right. And that could actually have negative consequences when you inhale it in. So we never burn oils. We always use cold air diffusers. Like ultrasonic ones will be best because then it's able to like really disperse the molecules into final molecules. And then it, when you inhale it, it actually can pass through your blood-brain barrier more effectively. Okay. And then, Adelin, could I ask your opinion on how long people should be diffusing? Because it sounds like diffusing is the safest, really. Out of all the application uses, diffusing seems to be like, you can't go too wrong with it. Yes. Or can you? <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. Okay. It depends. To me, I always say it depends on the area of where you are, right? I mean, of course, and then what you are diffusing it for. Let's say if you want to treat a symptom, let's say nose congestion or you have got cough or you have flu, anything for respiratory support, I would advise direct inhalation, which is there are this little conceptual where you can actually like fit into your nose where you can put warm water and you can actually, one drop is actually very potent and put your head over it. But if you do not have that, a pot of a bowl of hot water and one drop of essential oil with a towel over your head. So that is direct inhalation. Right. But let's say if you are in your room, if you are in the, quite a big space room, right? Then we talk about maybe then how big is your diffuser? I will recommend again, I'll recommend ultrasonic diffuser and whether you have any ventilation. Let's say if you have a small space, no ventilation, I would say half an hour is enough. Yeah. Right. Or if you want to diffuse for younger children, small space, no ventilation, I would say maybe even diffuse the room and then switch off the diffuser and put the child in. You would still be able to get the molecules of the essential oils in the air. It really depends on how do you want to use it? What are you using it for? The space that you have? Yeah. And one thing to consider is the oils that you are diffusing. To me, I'm very big on safety. I'm really mm. big on safety. I have learned advanced clinical aromatherapy in Provence with a very good, very, very knowledgeable teacher. I have learned how to do internal use. Internal use include ingestion, includes sublingual, which you put under your tongue, includes suppository, which you put into your either your anus or your vagina. But that is very much depending on what symptoms do you want to treat, right? So, or whether you want to bypass the liver. So that because if you do an ingestion, if you put into if you put essential oil dilute with plant oil in the capsule and you swallow it, it actually would go through your liver. Yeah. So there are a lot of ways that you should, but this is not the, I don't think we should discuss so much of this here because we really need the guidance of a practicing clinical aromatherapies. Yeah. Mm. So, so with Naha and with IFPA from the UK, their guideline for us practicing aromatherapies, member practicing aromatherapies is no internal use, which means no ingestion. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I am trained. I will probably do it on myself, use it on myself, sublingual, internal, but I will not advise a client to do it until I am, because right now I'm not practicing it as yet. Right. So yeah. safety is a big issue. Like even when you, when you diffuse, let's say it is also very important. There are people who has got some, I, I do know of this lady, she has got some blood disorder and blood thinning disorder and there are essential oils with blood thinning properties yeah. so it doesn't even need to be applied doesn't she just have to walk past a place where they have they use cinnamon so she's allergic to cinnamon you just have to walk past this place where they have got a cinnamon in the blend when they're diffusing and she just have this terrible nose bleed so we don't want to be careful so diffusing i would always say go for the more gentle oil yeah, if you're going to be in a public space, let's say if you have a shop and you start diffusing, that you know you, you want to use oils that are pretty safe. Yeah. And then you said half an hour to just a couple of hours. Like it doesn't have to be like six or seven or eight hours. And should it be ventilated ideally, actually? Or ideally, don't it should be ventilated. Yeah. So a right. lot of people tell me I do not stay in the aircon room, you know, uh, I have to open my window. I said that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Ideally, let's say for example, if I do my blending. I will make sure that my windows are open because, you know, essential oils are volatile oils. Volatile oils means their molecule actually uh, will, will sort of like evaporates out in the air and you can smell it. And when I do my blending, I wouldn't do for a long period of time. Right. Yeah. Okay. So maybe I will just do it. And my blending room is actually quite big. So I'm not so worried about. So sometimes when you're overexposed to an essential oil, you can feel dizzy. No, yes. So let's say if you do not want to have to, I mean, in the aircon room, no ventilation, then you reduce your number of hours. That's fine. So you don't really need up to 24 hours. I always say use when necessary with essential oils. Right. There's no need to use essential oil. Let's say you use an essential oil when you have a headache, you do not use an essential oil to prevent the headache. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you use it as an aid to getting a result, not necessarily to prevent something yes. in that but sense. But then having said that, I will also say that some essential do boost your immunity. Of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. It could yeah. Potentially use it. It could yeah. be either. It could be either. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then Matilda, would you ever say that someone should be sitting in a room when the diffuser is going on? Or would it be more ideal? Like because I've I've seen this where people just diffuse overnight while they're sleeping, a diffuser is going on or where a child is sometimes sleeping, there's a diffuser in the room and it's going all through the night. Is that something that maybe they should kind of be not doing or it's okay? It's okay. Like I do it all the time. Okay. So diffusing while you're in the room throughout the night is okay. It's okay. Yeah. Like, but because like my diffuser, it auto shuts off. Like I can set a timer, like so that it auto shuts off, like after three hours or after right. four hours so it auto shuts off and it will not like cause like some electricity trip or something or like or even after the water is used up it will just shut down so it's pretty safe but of course because i stay and i sleep myself so the oil that i diffuse it's obviously it's suitable for me you know but of course if like if you have someone else in the room then you might have to be more mindful of what is the oil that you're diffusing. Maybe it has to be suitable for both parties. And also like if you have a child in the room, then again, it depends on how old is the child and what oil are you diffusing and for what purpose. So I would say if like even for an oil that is as common as lavender, lavender, there's also contraindications for lavender. Like it should not be, I do not, like advise people who have hypotension, like low blood pressure 
to inhale too much of lavender because it will start to feel giddy. You know, of course, there are people who are hypotensive and they inhale lavender, they still feel okay, but maybe because those are mild cases. But I do come across people who with low blood pressure, when they inhale too much of lavender, they start to feel giddy. And we have done like tests with the blood pressure monitor before as well, like inhaling like before and after inhaling lavender, the blood pressure really does drop. Mm. So that is very good for people with high blood pressure. Right. You know, but for people with low blood pressure, then there has to be a precaution, you know? So you need to know like the person you are sleeping next, does that person have high blood pressure or low blood pressure or what other problems does that person have? Like any medical conditions that you should be aware of. And also you need to also have the knowledge of for each essential oil, what are the contraindications? What are the precautions you, sh- you should be taking, you know? Mm. Yeah, but because like I'm experienced, I know what oil I should be using, diffusing, so yeah, for me, like, it's fine. Like I have a timer that's set, you know, and even if I'm sleeping, like somewhere halfway, it, it will just auto shut off. And it's mm, fine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Other than do you, do you have any, any things that you want to add for like maybe moms with babies and what they should consider when they're playing with diffusers in the room and stuff like that? We're talking like really young. Yeah. Like under one year old types. Okay. So below three months, I recommend hydrosol or hydrolux, which is the water that comes out when you distill your essential oils. When you distill your essential oils and when you go through the condensation and the cooling down, you get what uh, we call the hydrolux or the hydrosol and the essential oils. There are some distillers who actually only distill for the hydrolux. They do not distill for the oil. So I like to get the hydrosol from these distillers. And being a water, so, so it is water. So it's just the water. Like some people even call it floral water, mm. but that's not the right term to use. The right term is actually hydrolux or hydrosol. And there's a lot more. So it only has got the water-soluble volatiles in it, right? So it is a lot more gentle. And if you have a cranky baby, you can maybe dilute your hydrolux and you just use it as a room spray. Do not spray onto the, the linen to the uh, yeah, bathing that the baby is on. I think that's a little bit too much, right? Three months and above, you can use, but use very, very low dosage. And I would just recommend maybe citrus and lavender if you really have to. But if not, you know, you, you can use your hydrolast. They, they work perfectly fine. Mm. They're they are really very gentle. They're very gentle. And even when, let's say, the child has got nappy rash, mm-hmm. you can use that. And of course, you can also use the calendula infused oil for nappy nappy rash. Yeah, if you are looking for something that's natural and gentle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So for children, let's say if you talk about children, there are certain oils that you should not use and even be okay, so let's say if you talk about babies that is a year, do not use oils like peppermint, okay. eucalyptus and rosemary. These are very good oil for to support the respiratory support. So I've given talks to a group of young mothers or expectant mothers about to give birth. And I told them that they should not use peppermint, eucalyptus, or anything that has got contains one eight senior, this component one eight senior. So your Nioli, your there are quite a fair bit of oils that contains one eight senior that you should not use with young babies or even young children because they actually slow down the breathing of the child. It interferes with the co-receptor in the lungs. Mm. So so if for young mothers or for mothers with young babies and young children, and if they want to for to have, let's say, you know, young children have got flu, cough, ever so often, especially when they go to childcare, right? And I said, there are a lot of other essential oils that can support the respiratory system. You don't really have to go for your eucalyptus or do your peppermint or your or your rosemary, CT1 is senior. And there's another thing about peppermint is peppermint is also contraindicated with 
those who are G6PD deficient. Okay, what's that? So it's something that not many people, not many people are aware of. Yeah, it is a, a disorder called G6PD deficiency. So it's an enzyme that is lacking in the body. So when you have a baby, you know, they will actually test the blood and see whether you are G6PD deficient. If the baby is, you should not use peppermint. Right, okay. Okay, so those are good things to know as well for bumps. And I think just spinning off that a little bit more, disinfectants. I think a lot of, you know, people have talked about essential, just drop it in and then it's disinfecting your floor, or it's infecting your, I don't know, your sheets or something. Do essential oils, Matilda, uh, really disinfect? Well, there are essential oils with anti-infectious properties. So like the more commonly known oils with anti-infectious properties are like tea tree, mm-hmm. rosemary, cinnamon bark. But of course, like it depends on like what are you disinfecting and like what kind of dosage are you using and what is the carrier that goes along with the essential oils. But definitely, essential oils do have anti-infectious properties. May not be all of them, but there are certain oils with anti-infectious And can you apply the oil directly onto a wound? For example, if you're disinfecting a wound, you can. Yeah, if you know the quality of the oil to be totally pure and natural, Mm. it is possible for you to use that oil to disinfect the wound. So for me, usually I will disinfect my wound with like maybe tea tree or lavender. Right. And also you need to know for that person who is using that particular oil, do they also have like any other pre-existing conditions that the oils have other properties that contraindicates that. So it's like you need to have like this overall helicopter view of everything before you recommend something. Right. And if you could just explain a little bit more, Matilda, about this pure oils. I think there's a lot of oils on the market, right? We have different brands out there. And there were some discussions also on like knowing what is an actual pure oil and what's not really a pure oil. Is there a way that we can tell? Because everything sounds good. Well, you can tell very scientifically with GCMS, mass spectrometry, lab tests. You know, to see exactly what are the constituents in each essential oil. But of course, it doesn't make sense for a normal consumer (laughs) to go to that extent. So it's important for you to know the background of the company or the brand that you're buying from. Like, where is the source of the oil? Like, are they just like relabeling the oils? You know, they buy from third party wholesalers and then they just put a label on it. Or do they actually own their own farms? And what are the kind of farming practices they use? And how do they actually distill the oils? Is it possible for you to visit their farms? But to me, the most important thing is your own personal experience. So you probably have to, at the start, you probably have to try an error. Unless like, you know, when you're a very experienced user of essential oils, like when you smell the oil, you probably can tell like some of them are probably adulterated because it just smells too synthetic or it smells like it's being adulterated with something else, you know? Or does it really smell like how a plant, a herb, should smell on its own like does it have this raw grassy smell uh, the raw herbal smell of that plant itself or does it like have this smell of a sweet aftertaste you know undertones so usually when i smell it if it's got this very sweet fragrance to it and it smells like almost like a perfume kind of chemical kind of synthetic to me it's i can tell it's adulterated right you know, but for those who are very new, 
Then I would say you have to probably do your own research on the company or the brand and to see where they get their source from. And also through your own trial and error, personal experience, like truly nothing beats personal experience. You know, you have to experience it yourself to see, like, for example, if I have a cut and I put a lavender oil on it, maybe brand A will heal my wound and brand B will not heal my wound. Then, then you know, like, how pure is it? Or what's the efficacy of this uh, oil? Right, right. Okay, so that's a good point to know. Like, if the brands tend to have, like, their own farms where you can actually visit the farms and things like that, that does sound like much more legit than someone just saying, oh, we're pure, but then they have nothing background in terms of, like, yeah. the farm. So that's a good indicator for most people out there i don't know because you talked about ingestion i just wanted to cover that because i've heard so many times that some people are like oh i just put a drop of lemon in my water and then i drink it or i put it in my food and i'm a bit like is that okay definitely not okay for one drop of lemon or any essential oil in water Okay. Chemistry one. Water and oil do not mix. Yeah. So you say that, oh, I dilute it with water. You can't dilute essential oil with water. No way. There's no way you can. It's either float or it sink, right? Depending on how specific gravity, how heavy or how, I mean, whether it's heavier than water or it's lighter than water. Most essential oils are lighter than water. With that, that will definitely, uh, will actually sink. So if you put one drop of lemon into a glass of water and you drink it and say, I, it's okay, I dilute in a glass of water. You are actually drinking, you are actually getting that, drinking that essential oil meat. And essential oils, you have to know, they're very potent. You know, in our digestive tract, it's all, I mean, you have mucus lining all throughout your digestive tract. And you imagine your, the essential oil actually burning through your, you know, the minute you drink it in. And this is just, if you want to have the benefit of the lemon, squeeze the lemon, cut the lemon, squeeze half of the lemon juice or even slice the lemon and then infuse in the water and drink it. There's no need to drink a drop of lemon or a drop of peppermint in a glass of water. No way for water because it's just not going to disperse. It's just going to emulsify into the water. You're still not diluting your oil. Would yeah? you be putting so, it in smoothies? Would that be the same thing then if you're putting it in juices or smoothies? Juices and smoothies, I don't think it will disperse as well. Okay. No way. Yeah. So the way I was taught how to ingest essential oil, we have to be very exact. We do not even calculate in a milliliter. We have to convert together with the specific gravity of that particular oil. Different oils have different essential oils have different specific gravity. Some are 0 0.8, some are 0 0.89, some are like 0.9 something. And you calculate and then we convert it to gram or milligram. Mm. Then for us, when okay, so how a clinical aromatherapist practice is we are taught that if you're making it into a capsule three days and you consult the client again or consult the person again to see whether if there is any improvement if there is improvement then you can continue if there's no improvement see a doctor right okay and can you add it to food then because i've also heard people adding it to food I have heard that too. Okay, so let's say if you add it into your baking, if you add into your olive oil, if you add it into your butter, that's fine because your butter, you're dispersing to your butter, you will be diluting the oil. But why would you want to do that? Why don't you use actual plant material? I mean, I've heard of people who use lemon. Yeah, I've heard of lemon a lot. To get that one drop of 
lemon essential oil, you need a lot of you need a lot of plant material. In this case, the lemon itself or the lemon peel, not not the entire lemon, but the lemon peel. You're wasting resources. Mm. You don't have to get the lemon, wash it clean, get away the wax, and then get the jazz out and do your baking. Mm. Right? Or if you let's say if you want to use lemongrass, make a lemongrass tea, go and get the plant material. And it's a waste of resources. If we talk about sustainability, we talk about oils, I'm about plant material that are not readily available, things that you for example, the frankincense, you know, or you talk about, I mean, of course, lemon, lemon, lemongrass, these are, you know, it's renewable. I mean, you can just plant the plant material. But to me, it's the waste. I don't like to see things going to waste. And when you can use the plant material, why use the oil? And when you use the oil, in actual fact, the oil, the essential oil does not have any vitamins, does not have any nutritional value. Right. Because it is only the volatile part that is being distilled over. So your vitamins are too big a molecule to be distilled over. Your vitamin C is water soluble. So and it's too big to be distilled over. So there's no minerals, so there's no nutritional value in it. Mm. It has got a lot of other therapeutic benefits mm. that we should focus on. So we use the right thing for the right purpose. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not wrong. I mean, you can, but you're probably wasting resources, really. Right, right. Okay, so good note on that. And then, Matilda, if you were to, you know, give like three oils that most people could use on their shelf, I would say diffusing. It it sounds like diffusing is really the easiest and the safest one to go. Are there like three classic oils that most people should be okay with? Like, or should they always go to an aromatherapist to decide? Well, there are, there are some oils that are generally safe, but still, it will be best to consult an aromatherapist, you know, to, to be able to harness the maximum efficacy of the oils that you're using. Because like some of these oils they are very precious and they are not exactly very cheap, yes. you know. So if you want to use it for a specific purpose, it's best to know what you should be using. And so people like us are here for you, you know. And so for me, like what I would say is it's pretty safe for most people will be diffusing like lemon oil and it's also a cheap oil to diffuse, orange oil. So most citrus oils, I would say most citrus oils, they are generally quite safe to diffuse. Like lavender is safe for most people except for people with low pressure, I wouldn't suggest that. Frankincense is also a very nice oil to diffuse and also maybe like bergamot. I like bergamot. It's a happy oil. Mm, okay also a citrus oil which is pretty safe you know but for like so most of the citrus oils they are safe to to diffuse for majority of the population however if you want to apply the citrus oils topically then you have to be very careful because they are generally photosensitive so you shouldn't be applying on your skin and then exposing it to the sunlight otherwise you'll get a patch on the skin and that's a irreversible change right okay okay and adeline what would your three go-to's be only three. <laughs> <laughs> Just for, for the interest of time, yes, only three. <laughs> so to me, if I have to, it's always a lavender. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned, it is an oil, it's a mother of all essential oil, and it is how modern aromatherapy was sort of like discovered. And it's a very healing oil, it's very healing on the wound. It heals both external and internal wound. So sometimes we have a lot of internal emotion that's going inside you. And lavender is very gentle, it can actually what some aromatherapists like to call it a, can actually sort of like 
gently massage your nervous system. Yeah. So, and lavender essential oil is also very good for bleeding. Mm-hmm. Let's say if you have a heart, I actually have got a very good, so I have been using essential oil for such a long time, right? And I know how effective they are. But sometimes when I see it work, you know, the joy of seeing it work. So I share with you this case of, I have a student and the father is of blood thinner. Mm. So he actually bit his own lips, cut, and there was a cut, and he kept bleeding. And someone recommended to her use lavender and frankincense. So he didn't stop the bleeding. So she came to me. I said, okay, I know frankincense is a beautiful oil. It's a very good oil. It's a very healing oil. But let's focus only on one. Let's, let's use lavender. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, I told her to use lavender. And lavender is an oil in this case that I would recommend using it. Neat. If you do not have anything around you, any base oil around you to dilute it with. So I told her to put onto a wet cotton wool and then put a drop of lavender and press it onto the wound within five minutes wow we were very happy when she was sharing with us right so the other oil so it is an oil that and it's gentle you can use on babies as young as three months although i would not recommend three months you'll probably diffuse like one drop in a in and then for about half an hour and then you bring you switch off the diffuse and they bring the baby in but of course you can use lavender hydrosol the other to go for oil is citrus because citrus oils are actually very disinfecting they clean the air and citrus oil is also most citrus oil are very high in a component called lemonine and lemonine actually there are these some um, clinical studies and research has shown that it actually activates your white blood cells. Mm -hmm. So your T cells, right? So we have the B cells and the T cells. So the T cells are the fighter cells. So they activate them. So it will actually increase our immunity, but actually naturally, you know, when we are in a happy mood, when we are less stressed, our immunity is higher. So any citrus, I I love bergamot. I love bergamot to death, Mm -hmm. right? But of course, we have to be very careful when we apply on the skin. Dilution has to be no more than 0.4%. If it is higher than that, we can get a nasty burn when you go out, like what Matilda said. And it's very difficult for me to choose. If it is for me, it is different. Let's say if it is an advice for the general public out there, Mm. I would say, I wanted to say tea tree because tea tree is also very good antibacterial, antiseptic, antivirus. But tea tree has got this very medicinal smell that not many people like. Sure. Um, I would say that if it is for ladies, geranium is a must. Mm. So geranium is a very, very good oil for to uplift your mood. It's a very good oil for to help with, in fact, from like say from a girl when she gets her puberty, when she has her period, all the way to even monopause, mm. right? So I feel that it is a, it is a very good oil. Geranium. And geranium is also a very good pain relief oil. Okay. So you having aches and pain, muscle aches and pain. You you do a blend with lavender, geranium, and even maybe a bit of citrus. It, it works wonderfully. So that that is only if, if there's three oils. But if it is for myself, I always choose the rose. I love roses. Yeah. Mm. So because I actually go to Bulgaria very regularly, and Bulgaria is known for their roses. love uh, for their roses. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Those are great oils. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think because we're out of time, that's so unfortunate because I really wanted to talk about blends, but we can talk about that another time, maybe on a separate podcast. But if I could just end off with both of you, for Matilda, what is the shift that you want to create with your craft and the work that you do? Well, I think the shift I want to create is really to empower women to take care of themselves physically, mentally, financially as well. So hopefully by 
them, you know, using essential oils and hopefully, you know, they'll be interested enough to actually take a professionally conducted certifiable aromatherapy course. And from there, they actually have a new set of knowledge and a new set of skills to empower them, you know, to maybe later on become a professional aromatherapist as well. And that gives them, you know, another career mm. in life. Like for me, like what it did for me, like I never imagine like it not just gave me comfort you know for my physical problems and also for my emotions but it has became career for me now mm. i really wanted to like empower women to have this additional choice in life wonderful and adeline what's the shift that you want to create with the work that you do okay so on the much bigger picture Okay, or let's say on a much bigger picture, I want to see for those or everybody involved in the sales of essential oils, yeah, to be trained, mm. not just internal company, internal brand training, but trained by certified training schools that are accredited. So that is so important. I think because we see many people advising, okay, my friend said I should use this or my so-and-so said I should use this and so should you, but we are all made differently. And we reactivate. So that's what I want to see it happening. And of course, I want to see a lot more clinical studies, evidence-based studies that we aromatherapists can rely on. Like when we talk, right? I mean, we can say that this is evidence-based. This is clinically studied, you know. So, so that's what I want to see on the much bigger picture in Singapore. Let's talk about Singapore because we are in Singapore, right? I want a very big dream of mine. That's also the reason why I started the training school. I mean, I have a successful blend with all my products. I travel around the world to look for essential oils have a very good very good relationship with all the farmers artisan farmers as well as distillers but i want to put singapore in the world map for aromatherapy i i want aromatherapy to be recognized as a complementary therapy in the medical arena mm. just like tcm tcm took a long time before they are recognized right so i, I mean it's this big dream of mine i started a school I get myself and a half accredited. I get myself IFPA accredited. So this is ongoing, right? And then I went on to set up a association. I'm so proud to tell you right now. I'm so proud to tell you that we just got our approval and we named our association HAAS, Holistic Aromatherapy Association of Singapore. Mm. So with this, I hope that HAAS will guide the standard and promote aromatherapy education. And HAAS also aimed to create the use of safe aromatherapy and to milk. I think also it is also very important is to build a community of certified aromatherapists to share our knowledge and experience. I think that is so important for us to grow as a community. And when I first met a fellow, this I'm very happy to meet Matilda. When I first met a fellow aromatherapist in Singapore a few years ago, I was so happy. And I told her, Juan, we need to start an association. We need to have a community here. We need to, we need to share our experience. We need to share our frustration. Yeah. We need to share our success story. Absolutely. So that we can learn from each other. I think creating that community is really important and that is something that i'm so happy that i mean it hasn't been smooth it hasn't been fast but at least we have registered and it has been approved the association in singapore and next on the agenda is to work with labs to get essential oil tested okay. the gc right. so right now when I buy my essential oils, the farmers will provide me their GCMS test. I mean, the GCMS test, as Matilda mentioned earlier on, is to make sure that the oils are not adulterated. 
the oils are pure. Right now, there is actually no internationally recognized body on the different grades of essential oils. Yeah. Pure essential oils are therapeutic, right? So I actually, so I was very, very lucky in that one Singapore agency approached me and tested all my oils. Yeah. And I'm working with this agency. It's a, it's a government agency. I'm waiting to this agency to connect me to the lab so that hopefully the brands, the different brands of oils in Singapore will get their essential oil tested. Mm. So like a lay person like yourself, probably you just say, are, are your oil tested for GCMS test? You say, okay, ours are tested and this is our GCMS test report. And they can put it on their website. And that shows that they, you know what they're selling are pure oils. Yeah. And the other one, one thing to add about the pure oils is that just do know that there is no strawberry, there's no blueberry, there's no white tea essential oils yet. So all those will be synthetic. Then the next thing will be to work, it's a work in progress for me, working with doctors and caregivers to start the very first clinical aromatherapy, first clinical study on aromatherapy here in Singapore. So we are already in talk with the doctors, but it is difficult. It is not easy. It is going to be a very long drawn journey. But if I can get one clinical study done in Singapore, I will be able to have this presented and then maybe publish in a aromatherapy journal worldwide or something. So, we, so that's why I want to say that, hey, we are also very serious about aromatherapy here and safe usage. And I also am very happy that I want to bring aromatherapy into the hospice. Mm. Yeah, to help and do the nursing care, mm. help them, you know, to give to sort of like ease, yeah, to aid their to journeys going forward, journey. mm. yeah, yeah, to make it easier so that they will not be pumped with so much medication to help with their aches and their pains and to uplift their spirit. Mm. So, so that is another work in progress. Wow. So, we are working with hospice in Singapore. So this is something that in my interview with Mediacorp a couple of years ago, I told them that this is what I want to do. But then I have not started. I've not even started my school. I only was only a brand. And I am proud to tell you today about that when I'm being interviewed again, I'm telling you that I have made progress in whatever that I wanted to do. Yeah. Then maybe four years, three to four years ago. Yeah. I'm very proud of myself actually yes. right now. And I do really want to promote aromatherapy as a complementary therapy and to use essential oil safely. I think to yeah. use essential oil safely is so important. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I think that's the very fundamental thing of this podcast. So I just want to thank you both so much, so much for all the information that you've given today. It is so, so important because I know there's a lot and lot of people that are really into essential oils today. And I think this is going to be so beneficial to them and to their health. So thank you so much, ladies. Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. And for organizing this, I know it was very last minute for you, Matilda. I other than you just got out of dengue. So I really, really thank you both for doing this. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.